This episode of the Old School Red Hill Podcast is brought to you by Gray's Restaurant. You know, they opened the doors 75 years ago, September 15th, 1945. World War II had just ended, so I'm sure that was a hot topic as people came in and had their first drink and their first meal there at that familiar location in Bridgeport. You know, many businesses and people and heck, even countries have come and gone since their opening, but... In the meantime, nothing has changed as far as what they do to provide quality food and drinks, and and that's never wavered. They continue to cut their own steaks on site and bread the tenderloins and the famous catfish dinners. And let's not even talk about the cheeseburgers. I mean, we know those are the best that you can get anywhere. Four generations of the Gray family has taken part in this business by now, and they've left their impact on the the city of Bridgeport and, and definitely the county. Don't forget to check out the Facebook page. They post their daily specials for lunch and and any other specials they may have for dinner right there on the Facebook page. And if you want to call and place an order for pickup, call 618-945-9501. Just like we talk about on this podcast, you can go home and there's no meal around there that feels more like home than at Gray's Restaurant. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Old School Red Hill Podcast. We truly, truly appreciate you listening as we take a trip down memory lane and head back home to to our favorite place, Bridgeport, Illinois, and Red Hill High School. As always, the show is written and produced by Mr. Chip Jamerson. Hello, Brino. Looking forward to this 8081 great school year. I enjoy doing the research on these schools your podcast a lot of big things that year absolutely and mr gary emmons joining us hello hello everybody and as always our fourth partner in crime writer producer farmer extraordinaire mr david king hey how's everybody doing a little bit different this week dave has a lot of farming duties so we kind of broke up the uh the podcast into three different segments um so dave will just be here to chime in with with his pearls of wisdom and uh how much it rained that fall and spring but uh hey before we get to that couple things first i'd like to thank our sponsors we really really appreciate that and and uh when you go in and visit these businesses let them know that you heard about them here on the uh on the podcast we'd appreciate it of course gray's restaurant greatest cheeseburgers in the world uh people state bank stacy moore appreciate that stace Bone and Juice at Andrews Insurance, and we have a new sponsor this week. So glad to have the Pizza House. Tyler Griffin going to come on as a sponsor, so make sure you say hello to him and thank him for scheduling or uh, sponsoring the show. We truly appreciate it. Um, also, if you could, really helps us and the sponsors out if you'll hit the subscribe button. So whether you listen on Google, Apple, Podbean, uh, Spotify, tune in radio alexa wherever if you can hit the subscribe button first of all it does two things it allows you to have the uh 
episode uploaded right when we uh, when we put it on online, and also um, it lets our sponsors know exactly how many people's listening, and that's, that that uh, listenership is growing. What else can they do, Chip? Well, I know on Apple Podcasts and a lot of the the podcast apps that wherever you listen to this, if you could leave a review, that helps us a lot. Uh, we love five star reviews, but we also any any type of review you want to leave, uh, we like the feedback. So leave us a review, leave comments, and that helps us a lot too. Absolutely, and also on the Facebook page, leave us comments. Say what you like, Mick. Say what you don't like. If there was something, we'd appreciate that too. And and uh, we're always looking for ideas. We've got a, th- a lengthy list on what we want to do for shows. And and uh, at the end of this one, we will announce what we're going to do in two weeks. We've got a really really good one coming up. First, though. We have a new segment that we're going to lead off every show with, and that is called Who Won? That's right. We're going to decide who won the last episode. So let's go with our picks from last week on our homecoming. We did uh, 10 years of homecoming. Chip, who won homecoming? It was it was a tremendous episode. I, you guys had so many uh, great things to share, and it was hard to narrow this. I narrowed it down to three, and I have – so my runners up, um, I gave Nancy King, Mrs. Nancy King, a runner up because eight consecutive <laughs> years of winning floats with the class of '88 and the class of 1992. What a run! That was very impressive. What a run! That is impressive. And I then, need to ask. I need to ask her when uh, when her streak was snapped if it kept going beyond. The- yeah, with that. So cl- with that kind of success, she may have earned herself her own podcast. <laughs> Yeah, so class of night, like Holly Moore, if you're out there, class of 96, uh, let us know how your group did uh, in the uh, float competitions. And then my other runner up from the homecoming podcast was the music. Yeah. The music, it, um, you guys did a great job of including music that took everybody back to that time. I had some listeners even comment that they loved how we're including the music in the podcast. Hello, so Debbie. The music of that time. Yes, thank you. Was the uh, another runner-up, but my homecoming winner from that podcast was Mr. Harry J. Rice, yeah. the principal of Red Hill High School. When he came out on the, I wasn't there, but the way Brian described, Brian did a great job telling the story of when, yeah, when Free Fair had finished their show or were near the end of their show and he came out on the floor and announced to the student body <laughs> that they were doing another show tonight after the parade <laughs> that and and that and how the place just erupted uh, I, I think he wins homecoming that was awesome gary who's your winner well it's hard to argue with uh, that one uh because i probably feel that harry was but i always go back to coach evans i, I always felt like during those times and he was always a really active participant in the the games and things on Thursday nights. And, uh, you know, obviously there was the head football coach for many years during, during homecoming. So I'm going to go with coach Evan. And, uh, Dave, did you have any, I know you haven't had time to prepare for this show, but I was going to say, I, I don't know if I got three, but I was going to say the music was my favorite part. Of the yeah. Day. Yeah. My favorite part of the episode. Really good stuff. And, and like Chip- for me, I mean, I, I know a lot of us are like this. I mean, music, is a pure form of time travel. Absolutely. If you're trying to you're trying to reminisce about a period and period in time, the the music is the first thing that takes me back to that. Time, yeah. So. Well, I had I had a few because I kind of thought my my top two would would also be chosen uh, because obviously 
Free Fair and Harry Rice moment was was the the pinnacle of my high school. Even though I was uh, just a freshman, but it doesn't get any better than it did that night. Bill Evans and his success. I'm going to throw a shout out and a runner up to Christy Zills for grabbing my hand and pulling me into that snake that uh, was captured in time in that photo of uh, going down going down the street there and, and uh, leading to a great discussion of snakes and what the heck that was. And I'm going to throw one out to David Lawson, who got to come back because Todd Polk went to the Naval Academy. So Dot, uh, David got to come back the next year and uh, and be with the queen So um, to crown the, the new queen. So anyway, that's fun. That's how we'll kind of recap the show from last week. And if everybody's ready, let's get going. But first, a word. From our newest sponsor here on the podcast, Griffin's Pizza House. Oh, come on. You know right where they are. Right there across from the football field in Bridgeport. What a long and storied career the Pizza House has in Bridgeport of serving great food to the residents from the golfs to the lands. And now Tyler's taken over and we couldn't be happier having him as a sponsor here on the podcast. And you know you can get that great food. Dine in, drive through, and as a former Pizza House delivery man, I can tell you how nice that service is when they bring it right to your door. Give them a call, 618-945-3663. They're open Tuesday through Sunday from 4 to 9. So check them out. Grab some great food from Griffin's Pizza House in Bridgeport, 618-945-3663. And let them know that you heard about them right here on the Old School Red Hill Podcast. And I will start, my August 11th is where I kind of started the 1980 research. And I thought this was interesting. Bridgeport Township and Bridgeport Census numbers had come out. Now, Dave or anybody, does anybody know that Bridgeport Township is about 500 people more than Bridgeport? Does anybody know where those 500 people reside? What the difference is? It starts about two miles north of me and goes to kind of a skinny, okay. skinny rectangle shape, kind of up the west side and a little bit north of Bridgeport. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Well, it's the smallest township in the county, but um, look at Dave with the I'm, facts. I'm surprised that many people would live in it, though. That's a Red Hill factoid right there. Yeah. Well, if you ever wrote back in 1980, it was a lot. Yeah, 1980 would have been a lot different. Well, I can tell you how different. (laughs) So in 1970, and I'm just going to go, I'll give them both. What the hell? Uh, 1970, the Bridgeport City population was 2,262, actually dropped 1.8% to 1980, 2,221. And uh, the Bridgeport Township was 2738, and it dropped 20 to 2727, so a 0.4 drop. But I know where some of them went because Sumner grew from 1201 to 1223. So 22 people jumped ship from Bridgeport, I think, and, and headed over to Sumner. They were actually 1.8% uh, uh, larger. So there you go. Growth over in Sumner. Good job. Um, over at the Plaza Theater on August 11th, we've got Cheech and Chong's next movie, and Herbie Goes Bananas. Lawrenceville Drive-In, I thought I was having uh, a nice little run here. We had two Bruce Lee movies playing, Game of Death and Return of the Dragon. Did you guys ever go to movies, let's see, at the drive-in much? I, went, was that before I remember you going to one. I remember, I think I was, we saw the, the Night of the Lights of that in Georgia, maybe. Is that ringing a bell, Brian? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> um, I, I saw I saw Star Wars there in 1977. Wow! Wow! I just remember <laughs> it. You you always get to playing out on the playground and having fun. And the damn movie come on, and then that guy with the big chew in his mouth, and he'd come out there and run you off back to your cars. Um. The August 12th issue, and, and this was something that I think is funny that I hadn't thought of since then. Remember the Missouri-Illinois sports report? That little, it was just like a little paragraph. Yeah, yeah, I those think, are interesting. I think it was in the Bridgeport Leader as well. But uh, that talked about a um, mm-hmm. friend of the show, Jim Baker. He was pitching at Utica uh, in the New York Penn League, and he was 4-3 and three with a 2.9 ER. 2.91 ERA at the time. Number one song in the nation. Let's get that going. This is Mr. Christopher Cross. Favorite Christopher Cross song, this or the one from Arthur? This. I'll say the one from Arthur. <laughs> I like sailing better. If you're, if, if that's what we're between those two, the answer yeah. is the one from Arthur. Okay. <laughs> uh, yes. uh, on August 14th, Jimmy Carter accepted the nomination um, from the Democrats, so he will be headed to uh, take on former Cubs announcer Ronald Reagan. Uh, the crew, a crew, found the Titanic off the coast of Newfoundland, and uh, they will head back out there to try to resurrect that bad boy. Uh, George Brett on a run to try to hit 400, which he does not do. But uh, at on August 18th, he was still at 401. Um, Smokey and the Bandit moves into the plaza. Herbie goes bananas, was held over, so that was so popular. Um, on the 20th of August, the fall t- TV season got scrapped because of an actor strike. And I thought this was interesting. A headline, an actual headline on the uh, sports page said, Two youths are hurt in grid accidents. So, well, this is interesting. Chuck Limeron, 17, uh, was uh, seriously injured. A call to the coaching staff said it was not in football practice. It was an unsupervised pickup game. He was hurt bad enough. He went to Lawrenceville and got transferred to Deaconess and it said where he was responding to treatment. So I thought that was really interesting. And then also in the same story, talked about 16-year-old Tony Gaither, who broke his thumb at practice, and, and Bill Huff said he's not sure if he'll return this season or not, which, uh, spoiler alert, he does. Okay. Uh, Bridgeport man punched Officer Rick Sluniker. So my question is, can you name three Bridgeport police officers not named Murray or Ash? Trenton, Trenton Masterson. Okay. Um, <laughs> and I've already said Sluniker. I say we can't say Sluniker. <laughs> <laughs> Um, stir, uh, um, who's the guy that got that Lawson Lawson wreck? Yep. Yep. And who was the guy that got shot? Billy uh, Darnell. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, he used to be British sport anyway, I think. Uh, Webster that got shot by Sterling mm. Potts that one time. Yeah. So anyway, and just side note, uh, we're almost getting to football season, but I just found a few, uh, things, uh, as we enter school, school started, this is from the August 21st. Uh, newspaper, but first of all, the number one song in the country. The Iranian hostages are now 
being captured, uh, being held captive for 300 days. Um, in the county's upcoming Labor Day activities for muscular dystrophy on Saturday afternoon, Mike Cress and Kevin Tucker host the MDA Carnival in the backyard of Cress's house. It will feature fortune telling, games, and prizes. Oh, that's fun. Okay, uh, we are ready for football season. Uh, Bill Huff, Mike Ray, Jeff Lynn are going to lead the charge this year as the coaches. Um, so as I read through this football season, it was very interesting. I couldn't wait to see how it, how it came out. I remember going to these games as a 12-year-old kid and, and all that, but I couldn't have told you what their record was or, or anything. But they returned 16 lettermen, and I think 12 of them had uh, of those guys had two letters. Um they got a senior quarterback who's in his third year at quarterback, Raymond Price. Jeff Hawkins, Doug Shank, and Greg Boren will uh, will run the football, and uh, they were named at the beginning as the fastest backfield in the North Egypt Conference. So lots of things. they got a big line, Jerry Stoltz, Brian Zellers, Merle Harvey, John McDonald, Todd Skipworth. Uh, shoring up the line dave pank and larry carnes will split time at uh, center and they're going to open up on september 15th or i'm sorry september 5th at fairfield in a game that they won went over to fairfield ended a 13 game losing streak that, that, that obviously stretched back a couple of years uh, both tds were scored by greg Bourne. Uh, jeff hawkins went 17 rushes 91 price had a tough throwing day uh, went uh, one for six for 12 yards. Uh, that uh, of a name that's going to come up here in just a little while, I'm pretty sure, in the cross-country meet at Cumberland, Chuck Rousey got ninth place, getting ready, getting those legs ready for basketball season. So in the Salukis, the next week, go two in a row to start the season in a 22-20 to 20 win over Salem. Took the long wow. road trip. Yeah. Wow. Uh, they scored a last-minute touchdown. Um, it was a pass from Price to Boren, and then followed by a Ray Price two-point conversion to give them the victory. So, big win there. They're starting off two and zero. Huff's uh, obviously very happy. Hawkins. How many times did we? That had to have been one of the, our. How many times did we beat Salem? Yeah, I don't know. Obviously, Can't Mike Price never did. Only know of 80, three, I think. I right? mean, in '88, yeah. sure. Um, and then that year, any others? I don't know. I don't know. Not many, but uh, big, not, yeah, big win. They yeah, beat him in '96, too, okay. I believe. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Hawkins sense. leads the way again. Um, the picture of the cheerleaders in the paper, and when you talk about somebody's wheelhouse, a little chubby twelve-year-old Brino sure <laughs> liked this cheerleading squad, and that was Mia Hensley, Lynn Latch, Tana Brummett, uh, Becky Tracy, and uh, the aforementioned on this podcast, Christy Bennett who will uh, obviously become Christy Christy. Um, this was very big at the box office and uh, a movie that I have probably seen in the 20s because it's one of those when you're flipping channels and it comes on, I can't ever uh, turn away from it. I always end up watching it. John Travolta in Urban Cowboy. There's parts of that movie that are so bad they're good, and uh, I always get stuck on that movie. Have you guys seen that? I don't, I don't I believe have. I have. Yeah, oh, God. not the whole thing at least. Yeah, I've seen it. Seen it once. This was something that I read in the paper that I had completely forgot about, but once I started reading it, I remembered 
do you remember that there was a proposal to put a swimming pool at Lanterman Park? I don't know. I never heard of that. I I had forgotten about that, but I remember it now getting excited there might be a pool at the park, but I had not thought of that in about 40 years. Well, <laughs> well they went out and got a quote, a 42 by 82 foot pool, which would hold 253 people for $280,000 was the quote they got. So I'm guessing that was too much because obviously it never happened. Uh, Red Hill wins in cross country and Chuck Rousey continues to dominate. Chip, I'm going to let you as a runner. Three miles. What are you going to say Mr. Rousey's time was? Uh, let's see. Rousey ran that in 1944. Oh. Chuck Rousey ran it in 18 minutes, 35 wow. seconds for Coach Impressive. Phil Nagley. Not going to go into too much detail, but a couple losses the next two weeks for the football team. Mount Carmel got them. Obviously, Mount Carmel, as usual, picked to win the conference. They got them 42 nothing. Then uh, Carmi got them 26-8, so kind of a rough patch. So the Salukis sit at 2-2, two and two, heading into homecoming against, guess who? Albion. Albion, yep. Home, uh, Edwards County. Came to town, got their butts kicked 22 to nothing. Big night for uh, Jeff Hawkins, 21 yards, 108, or I'm sorry, 21 rushes for 108 yards. Ray Price, 3 for 12 for 36 in the air. And uh, Greg Bourne, what a great start he had had. He uh, got broken ribs in the Mount Carmel game, so he hasn't played. So uh, looking forward to getting him back, I'm sure. Tina Legg was named homecoming queen. And uh thought it was interesting after we've talked about how late that homecoming dance runs and then the band had to get up the next morning and go march in the Chestnut Festival in St. Francisville. Uh, getting into the Bridgeport, which I always like these, the Bridgeport School Board meeting on October 13th. <coughs> the board approved, finally, after denying it the year before, that they could have the prom at Holiday Inn. Christy Thacker and Sherry Stoltz went front of the school board along with sponsor Otis Hamill to ask for that and after much debate and Mr. Hamill saying don't blame the good kids for what the bad kids do give them a chance and then school board member Tom Heath said let's give them a chance they deserve this and uh, it was approved that they could have the prom over at the Holiday Inn now something that goes back to our conversation last week on homecoming chip what's one of the things that you hate about week-long celebrations at schools well i don't i'm not a big fan of all the dress-up days i i'm okay with it at the high schools it's uh i never took part that much in them but yeah i don't like the trickle down to the element the elementary schools that we see more and more today but yeah i was never big on the dress-up days you use the term dress-up days but what caused the problem this week this time was dress down day Evidently, several students had to get sent to the office. One parent came to the school board meeting complaining that the time that his that their son had to spend in the office would be counted against him um, for academically, and evidently several students. Now, it doesn't say what they dressed down to, what happened, but it evidently was bad. And so dress down day, according to Harry Rice, will never happen again was his quote. <laughs> Uh, Sarah Waite and John Fife were there to defend their position on giving zeros of a possible 100 points per day in PE 
And that happened even if you were had an excused absence. And uh, Warren P. Miller said that that goes, which I'm not sure why Warren P. Miller was disagreeing with this. He was the principal there, and you'd think he would have just taken care of it. But anyway, he talked about how that's against the Illinois uh, Teachers Association rules or whatnot, and they were told to cut it out. So Sarah and John had to cool their jets on that. If you have an excused absence, yeah, I don't think you should get a zero in PE that day. So I've got to side with administration on on this one. Well, I know two people that disagreed with you. <laughs> <laughs> that week, only was the foe for the Red Hill Salukis, and uh, they got him 13-6. Boren is back, and had they won, I'm sure this would have been playing in the locker room. These songs remind me, I don't know if you guys would have been maybe just a touch young, but on Sunday nights I'd play Nerf basketball back in this back bedroom that we had and listen to Dick Clark's American Music Survey. And these songs are prime time for that show, especially a couple that Chip has in his song digest for tonight. October 20th, newspaper talked about another loss. We're down to three and four now for the season. Uh, Flora got the boys, and this one ended in dramatic fashion. Red Hill had the ball inside their own 20, fumbled the snap. Flora recovered and marched it in for a late touchdown to win 20-14. to 14. And Chuck Rousey getting faster. District cross-country meet at... Uh, I think it was at Cumberland I read. Uh, Rousey down to 1734 now. So he's, he's shaved. That's great. Yeah, he's shaved quite a bit of time. Um, Mike Ray probably very, very happy about the, the speed that Mr. Rousey's finding. Um, interesting, then uh, that week we beat Oblong for the first time in six years, 30-8. to eight. Mm. Big, big night for Jeff Hawkins as he continues his assault on the rushing record book, 18 rushes for 152 yards. Um, in total, the Salukis rushed for 363 that night, so big night for them. Well, but David's mentioned this before, that we kind of overestimate uh, Red Hill's oh. football prowess over Oblong. Oh, but. yeah, completely. <laughs> 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 we have a 500 record against them in the 80s or so. Well, I mean, yeah. this was 80. So in the 70s, things didn't go great. Yeah. Um, but next week looms the last game of the season, and as I perused um, – as I peruse this season, you know, when you're looking at the newspapers, uh, Lawrenceville's pretty good. So being led on the ground by Tony Jarvis, and they are ready to go. And, like, again, it was fun to look at this because I wondered how this team was going to do because they looked great coming in. Uh, managers on that team was Steve Potts and Greg Laughlin. Greg would have a long-time association with Red Hill football, being in the booth or on the headset. So that started there as a manager. The next week to end the season, the Red Hill Salukis lose to those dastardly Lawrenceville Indians, 28-6. to uh, Boren, again, leads in rushing, and, and the stats for Hawkins that night were, were pretty slim, so it sounded like Clarence Reed he had his team geared to stop Hawkins because he had been running crazy. So that ends the season, 4-5. and five. Uh, In the postseason awards, Jeff Hawkins was actually third in the North Egyptian Conference in rushing 158 rushes for 733 yards. And I am going to end my segment 
just like we're in the middle of now, it is election time. And the people spoke. Ronald Reagan in a big time landslide coast to coast victory. Eight million popular vote win and 10 to 1 in the Electoral College as he defeats Jimmy Carter, which ends Jimmy Carter as a one term president, which is somewhat rare in our country's history or some in our recent country's history anyway. So Reagan is your president. Farming is an important American tradition. That's why People's State Bank has been working with farmers and their families since 1875. We've had the privilege of serving a wide variety of livestock and agricultural needs. As a community bank, we take pride in the personal relationships we've built over generations. From bidding on animals shown by young farmers in the 4-H ring at the county fair, to welcoming those same farmers into our offices with their first business for the family farm, our customers are more than an account number in a computer. From a sporting standpoint, People State Bank has been a longtime partner with the school districts, sponsoring academic projects, athletic teams, travel, uniforms, and much, much more. We have also been proud to support Pack the Place for the last 10 years, paying everyone's admission for one of the county rival basketball games each year. Find convenient locations in Sumner, St. Francisville, Lawrenceville, and Bridgeport. People's State Bank thanks you for allowing us to be a part of your lives and appreciates the opportunity to serve and give back to our communities in this way. People's State Bank. I hand over to my partner, Chip Jamerson. All right, so I have the winter sports from the 80-81 school year, and it was definitely a great winter for Red Hill sports. I'm going to go Love through a few, other, a few other things that were happening in the – in the area and the nation and the world at that time. Um, so actually to start off on a sad note, uh, right near the beginning of the winter sports season on December 8th, if you were watching Monday night football and Howard Cosell on that night, um, legendary, uh, the legendary John Lennon was um, shot and killed on December 8th during that season. So it's an air. I don't really, I don't remember that happening at the time, but, you know, definitely I've heard a lot about it since then. I can I can remember my mom the next morning to wake me up for school, and I was still in bed, and she said, hey, um, John Lennon got shot last night. So, yeah, I remember that very, very distinctly. Yeah, at that time, I honestly at that time, so I hadn't really – I don't know if I really knew much about the Beatles until I was probably about fifth grade, but um, definitely well aware of him now and all of his accomplishments. So, all right, some other things going on. Now, if you um, – wanted to uh, get some college credit and learn a lifelong skill. Mr. Tugall, one of the teachers at the high school, one of the coaches at the high school, which I'll be getting into in just a moment, he's actually conducting archery classes through Frontier Community College at his shop there in St. Francisville. Oh, wow. And the front, yeah, Frontier Community College described Mr. Tugall as an authority on archery. So I did not realize he's a very, very talented man. I had no um, idea about some, that. Yeah. Some of his talents yeah. later, but. So yeah, he was offering an archery class out, go out to his shop and sign up and get some college credit while you're at it. Hey, speaking of archery, we talked about 
um, during one of the other seasons, the up-and-coming young archer, Tommy Halfacre, and then his dad. And I I was lucky enough to play golf with Tommy and his son up in Indianapolis this past weekend and brought that up. He went on a very detailed, good explanation about what fingers mean in archery, and I didn't understand one bit of it. So I have... Oh, okay. I thought you'd have an answer. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> I don't... I know you can't use your wrists, and that's about all I understood. So, yeah... So if you if you have not heard that show, that's in the 82-83 podcast. We have a lot of archery. So while I'm on archery, this was later in my notes, but uh, the Lawrence County Bowhunters Club, some archery news out there. In the peewee class, Steve Wagner, who went on to a great baseball career at Red Hill, he uh, won the PE or what now the peewee class. And um, Virgil Gerald, who is married to Red Hill legend Denise Bowser, now uh, finished third at the Pee Week class. So archery, guys. obviously, a sport throughout the county. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Did you guys go to see Meadowlark Lemon and the Bucketeers play at Lawrenceville High School on I, March 8th? Absolutely. I remember that for sure. Yeah. Well, that so that happened on the 8th of March, near the end of my uh, research. They had two, two games. They played at 2 and 7. I was at the 2 o'clock game. And um, my sister, who was 3 at the time, was actually honored at halftime. She won an autographed basketball, which I don't think we have anymore. We had it for years in the house, an autographed Metal Arc Lemon basketball. It might be somewhere mm -hmm. um, for winning a coloring contest. She won the three-year-old division in the coloring contest. And congratulations to Eric Holtz, seven-year-old, won the won the coloring contest for his age group and also won an autographed basketball by Metal Arc Lemon and the Damn. Bucketeers. Good job. So, yeah, I was there. I remember I took Chad Andrews, uh, to the game with us. And the, the thing that stands out the most is I, I know it was my, I don't remember my dad being there. He may have been there, but I know we were leaving with my, my mom. And of course my sister, the, with her basketball, she was, she was three. She was probably ready to leave. We left a little, maybe two or three minutes to go in the game. We're walking. So we're sitting on the red hillside there at Lawrenceville high school. And we're walking down the bleachers and on the walkway and Meadowlark jump from the court runs up those steps up to that area of the and stands in our way and and yells at us about how we're not allowed to leave yet the game's not over so i uh, kind of embarrassing i was gonna we, say i can but, guarantee uh, your face turned beet red it, embarrassing but exciting that i'm right you know meadowlark is like i, I think i touched meadowlark lemon's arm when he was was standing there so um and for those of you that don't know metal like he, he was like one of the i don't know if original but uh one of the, like the, the original most famous globe trotters of all time. When I saw the yeah. globe trotters, he'd already moved on from them. But I guess back in like the sixties and seventies, he was the man. All right, and some movies that were popular at that time. I I didn't do a a, a thorough rundown like I've done on some other episodes of all the movies playing at the plaza or at I believe the show place. I forgot it was another name called like the Moonlight Cinema or something like that. It uh, only had one theater at the new time. Moon, new Moon, in the New Moon Theater. So, but I know. Well, I know I would have seen this one at the New Moon Theater. I loved it. The Neil Diamond uh, movie Jazz Singer. Uh, my mom and I went to see it. We went to see a lot. The two of us went to a lot of movies during that time, like on Saturday or Sunday afternoons. And that was one of two movies I can remember where directly after the movie, I went to re went right down the street to Record Cellar and bought the soundtrack. Um, my mom did, so she must have loved the movie and the music also. But we bought that eight track at Record Cellar right after that. The other movie being La Bamba. La Bamba, I dang I, it. I was going to try to say yeah, it before you did. I think, I, I think Brian's the one that drove me down to Record Cellar to get that tape right after uh, they went. To, they took me to see it. I think you may have walked. Uh, 
Yeah, probably. Yeah, just walk and then walk back to the car. Yep, that's I the think that's smart thing to do. Yep. And then uh, another big movie at that time, a classic. I think I may have heard they're remaking it with some of the current day um, actors and actresses. But Nine to Five uh, with Dolly Parton, Lily Tomlin, Jane Fonda, Dabney Coleman. That was a huge movie during all these great sports that we're going to talk about. So let's get into those sports now. And I'm going to start with wrestling. Jim Drury, head coach. Um, Mr. Huber, I looking at the board report for March, he, he was actually hired at that for the following school year as an assistant wrestling coach. So it looks like Mr. Huber had not joined um, the wrestling coaching staff yet. So I don't know if Mr. Drury even had an assistant. No mention of that. And I didn't have a, a team picture or anything. I have some but, info on that. Yeah, go for it. Bill Huff was actually the assistant coach. Okay. Really? I, yep. I, I yep. never heard that. I had that. no idea. Yeah. Okay. So, obviously, this is Coach Huff's last year as an assistant because Mr. Huber will come in next year, and then Jury and Huber all that longstanding uh, partnership with the wrestling program. And as we know, all of us follow sports. Uh, consistency in a program with the coaching staff is a key to success, and, you know, I our wrestling program had that, of course, on the other side of the county, Lawrenceville had it also. Just that consistency at the top, and it was success year after year. And this was one of the best years we've had. Drury's really getting in his groove now. Uh, we set a school record that year for most pins and most wins. And we had four people come out of districts and qualify for sectionals. Wow. We had R Randy Smith at 126, finished second at districts. They're kind of interchanging the term districts and regionals. I don't know if wrestling was still calling it districts at the time and kind of transitioning to regionals. You know, they kind of use yeah, both terms. Yeah, they, they called it districts in cross country too, which I, I didn't know that. So, yeah, Randy Smith, 126, second place. And then Larry Carnes at 167 had a big year. He finished second at districts to advance to sectionals. And, um, Coach Drury in the article talked about wrestlebacks, like kind of the losers bracket they have in wrestling, and that's what Smith and Carnes came out of. They actually lost, or like maybe their first match of the day. Yeah, and then you get to kind of wrestle your way back. And if you have not been beaten by the person that got runner up, you can face the second place winner and become and take second place from him. Mm. I'm sure you know Tom Tool and some of our wrestling fans out there may correct me i may not be exactly right, but that's kind of what it sounds yeah, like I think that's if you had not lost to the second place guy yet you get a chance to knock him off for a second so that's wow. what smith and Carnes did and and jury talked about how that's really kind of an advantage because you're you're facing this guy's just finished second he's you know upset he just lost the championship so doesn't really whereas you've won consecutive matches to get to that so you've got a little more more momentum going and it definitely worked for smith and Carnes that day now, we also had two champions at districts, and those were Raymond Price at 145 and Mark Murphy at 132. And earlier in the year, I wanted to mention Carnes and Price also won NEC titles. So uh, Ray Price had a, had a great year. And one other wrestler that had a big season that year was in the 138-pound class, Mike Allender. Um, jury uh, described his wrestling style is unorthodox says he does everything backwards but he's usually successful with it and he got third place at districts just missed out on advancing to sectionals so so we move into sectionals and raymond price um 
qualified for state as well as Mark Murphy. They were both state qualifiers. So Smith and Carnes did not make it to state that year. So Price is wrestling 145. And I remember Raymond Price as a basketball player because I first started going to games in 78, 79, which would have been his sophomore year. So, and, and I'm going to be honest, sir, I'd never been to a wrestling meet at this time. So I had no idea that he was such a great wrestler, but yeah. It was only his second year wrestling, so he had played basketball his freshman sophomore year, as well as Jeff Hawkins, who had a great uh, football season. He was on. He was another one that had moved on from basketball to wrestling, but only his second year ever wrestling, and at the, and set the school record at that time for thirty four wins. With thirty four wins, he went thirty four and three that year. And Coach Jury said, with a year's more experience, he could have done really well. But he's a natural athlete and was really outstanding for only wrestling two years. Wow. So, yes, a, a record-setting year. So, I mean, I, I Price, great athlete, a, a solid basketball player, but I think, you know, somebody talked to him and realized that, you know, wrestling maybe could have more success in. But um, I'd like to know how that conversation went. With, that's one of the things I like to ask Coach Ray, because I'm sure he had high hopes for Ray Price by his senior year being a key player on that team but that had to hurt losing Hawkins and price to the wrestling program. Yeah. And I, I think we've had those things throughout the years that where guys are these athletes that have to choose between the two sports. Um, so, so we're on to state now and um, Mark Murphy also made it to state and neither one of them placed at state and Mark uh, ended the year with a 31 and eight record. He did get a buy at state and then went on to lose to um George Wood. Now, I thought Murphy had interesting quote here. Uh, it kind of goes against all advice that coaches give when advancing in the postseason. If you ever heard coach speak, Murphy said in the paper, I won't complain about anything. I was just happy to be here. Mm. It was one of my better matches. I moved more, I moved more than I had all year. So yeah, he he was just happy to be at state and yeah. uh, so wasn't disappointed they didn't place. And and it was quite, I mean, it's quite an honor to get there. And 30. 31 wins on the season and um so do we have any idea when wrestling started at red hill or bridgeport no i don't no i don't know if we had it way back when the i don't know if it's something we had at consolidation or if it was something added during the 70s i'm yeah. i don't know we'll put I'm that sure on. We'll, yeah put yeah, that we'll, on the questions for the for the readers and listeners let us know if you know the answer to that few other things about that i'll mention some other wrestlers on that varsity team um, we were really, they mentioned we we're really strong through the middleweights. You'll, the guys I've mentioned, 126, 132, 145, 138, that was really our strength was those middleweight classes. Um, struggled a little more in the uh, lightweights and the heavyweight categories, but our other wrestlers were David Fox, who David was our light, well, 98 pounds or whatever it was, 98, 103, whatever it was, the lowest weight. I think he won 17 matches on the season, so a solid wrestling season from David Fox. Um Kent Ubla, our neighbor Kent Ublacker from Adams Street, David Dunahy, Greg Roosevelt, Jeff Roney, Bob Hedge, Marlon Price, the aforementioned Jeff Hawkins, these Steve are, Spiller, these are and John great, McDonald. These are great names to hear because, you know, with with my age and, and especially yours, those were names that you heard and said a lot back then and and but the because of the age difference probably not a whole lot since so that that's kind of cool to go down through this year yeah mar i don't know if marlin's any relation to ray price i think he might be the brother of the price boys that i think barrett was a maybe in gary's grade and um there was a joe was a year older than me so marlin may have been part of that price family that was around red hill for a while or he may not 
but uh, I was just trying to make that connection um, there. So that's my recap of the wrestling season. Like I said, a record setting season and would go on to many, many more years of big things. Cool. All right. So let's, let's go into girls basketball now. Wow. What a season it was for the girls basketball team. They were the North Egypt conference champions. All right. They were the regional champions Holy and they were the sectional champions made it all the way to the sweet 16. This was a 22 and four overall team. And I'll tell you what, this was considered to be a rebuilding season. Really? And made it to the sweet 16. Susan Wright had graduated the year prior. She was an 80 graduate, one of the all time great players. So we'll get into more on some future broadcasts. Susan probably averaged around 30 a game. I know when I was looking at articles from that time, she was scoring over 30 every time I looked. So, so they lost Susan Wright. They've only got one senior I know of on this team or th that played substantial minutes. One senior that played substantial minutes. So maybe only one senior um, overall. So you only got one senior. You lost a 30-point-per-game score who's going down to SIU now. I assume playing basketball at SIU. Um, so she's at SIU, lost a D1 player, and we – and had a great deal of success. And a lot of that success can be attributed to another all-time great at Red Hill, uh, Jody Moan. She had a stellar junior season, so she's not even had her senior season yet. She averaged, she's a 5'8 junior, averaged 26 points per game wow. and 15 rebounds per game her junior season. Uh, Jody would go on the next year to have a monster senior season as well and went on to play at Vincennes University and Indiana State University. Um, so that's pretty, uh, uh, back to the class of 80 and the class of 82 to have D one D one basketball players. Um, and, and things were different back then. We didn't have all the camps and the travel basketball and all the yeah. summer basketball, but these are just, they, I believe both these girls grew up in rural, rural Lawrence County and probably just out in their driveways, on gravel, gravel driveways, just playing basketball, um, all the time. But, uh, so a uh, big season for Jody. Um, now these rebounding numbers on the team. Two goal, the coach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doctor Paul. He went on to become Doctor Paul Tugal. Coach Paul Tugal. He was the head coach of this team. So, and I'll have some things on him in a moment. But yeah, uh, Tugal is the head coach. Should have mentioned that at the beginning. So, some of these rebounding numbers. I I'm sure there was a student assistant keeping the numbers. They may not be because these are some just amazing numbers rebounding as we said jody averaged 15 rebounds per game so her fellow junior on the front line Teresa holmes averaged almost a double double nine points per game and 13 rebounds per game wow and she had a, a 26 rebound game against clay city Holy Teresa holmes shit. Did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then um also on that front line another five five nine sophomore julie Ulrich almost averaged double double eight points and 10 rebounds so it's a it's a pretty um Pretty solid team, and they're all you know juniors and sophomores across the front line. Our our lone senior was a friend of at least the Facebook page, and I'm sure she'll listen to this episode. Uh, Deb Steer was our point guard, five five senior. She averaged five per game, and then five four sophomore sharpshooter Julie Smith was was in the backcourt. So that's a solid starting five. Let's look at the bench now. We go to the bench. We've got five five sophomore Janice Bushy coming off the bench and averaging 14 per game. So it doesn't just stop there. And then Melissa Sims was the other. They basically a seven-person rotation teams. Melissa, who I talked about in the 83 episode, was a great thrower on the track team. Yep. Um, so she logged heavy minutes in the post. So 
and round roster were James <clears throat> Willing, Stephanie Fox, Sherry Adamson, Amy Holtz, and Peggy Fox. And some we'll get into some of the highlights of the season here. Um, but so Coach Tuall was the coach, and I think that we we all had him for teachers. I think Brian, he, did he still coach at all? Did he coach on the boys' side? Did you ever have him for a boys' basketball coach? He assisted uh, Coach Brooks when when he came back uh, my freshman year. I thought I remembered he was on that team. Um, so I don't think people think of Mr. Tugall as like a basketball coach. That's not what they think of him as, as a basketball coach. But, and, and I don't know, maybe he is a great tactician, XO guy. I don't know that he's a great X's and O guy. He did coach under coach Mike Ray for a few years. So he learned from, he learned in the boys program. He had just replaced Mrs. Thorne, Twyla Thorne. And the, she was coaching um, before Tugall took the reins. But, some reasons why I think Mr. Tugall has so much, so much success, even if he wasn't your, um, you know, a great X's and O guy, cause that's not, that's not everything with coaching. Right. Uh, great teacher. If you had him for a teacher, uh, excellent instructor, excellent explain things. If you read any coaches books, Wooden, Shashevsky, Knight, uh, they'll tell you, uh, great teachers make great coaches. So he had that down. He's a great teacher. Great communicator. Mm -hmm. He had an excellent way of getting it, of explaining things, getting his point across in a way. I, I'm sure, um, he never made kids feel uncomfortable, yelled at them, anything like. I can't imagine Mr. Tugall doing that. So great communicator and just a relationship builder. Everybody that had him in class, he always got along great with the students. So, I I just wanted to point those things out. Of while you might not think of him as a basketball coach, he had a lot of um, a lot of aspects of that great coaches have. He, I think that's why he's able to have so much success. He pretty much single-handedly began the computer uh, classes at, at Red Hill High School. I mean, he he put that all together. Yeah, he did a, so much for the district and went on to be a professor at EIU and at Valparaiso. He did the superintendent at Red Hill for a short, for a period before going back up to Valpo. And uh, sadly passed away a few years ago at the age of 70. So he's dearly missed. But I, and I know talking to some of these girls, I, I messaged with Deb Steer a little bit, just a little about the season, just what an impact he had on them and how much they loved playing for him. And, and I know, I know we, we say this multiple times on every podcast, but, but no question in my eyes that this team has its own podcast episode sometime. Yeah. So I'm going to go through some, I'll, I'll spend a few more minutes on, I'm going to go through some things, but we can go in a little in the future. We can go in a little deeper and maybe hopefully talk to Jody Moan or get Deb steer on, or some of these players and actually kind of get their thoughts and not just what, you know, I'm getting from reading daily record articles about them. So let me just go through a few highlights of the season quote from quote from two on the paper. This was after a big win over Hudsonville. We've got a lot better than we've got a lot better than average players who give you 110%. They deserve every bit of praise we can give them. So we're giving them a lot of praise here. And Tugall says they deserve every bit of it. Our only losses that season were to Oblong, Newton, and Mount Carmel. And that one NEC loss was the second game of the season. So never lost another NEC game after that loss to Mount Carmel. I found an interesting thing here. So we lost to Oblong 65 to 59. That dang Early. Oblong again. Yeah. And we played them two weeks later, and we beat them seventy-five to eight. Two weeks later, <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> 
So I don't know if they had suspensions or so, what was going. They because it looked like they had a solid when they beat us. I mean, they had like three girls score twenty points. So I mean, they had a solid team. So do then, you, so you've seen the stats? Did we have anybody missing the first time or? No, I no, uh, I don't think so. So yeah, interesting. Um, That's bizarre. Wow. Now, it wasn't the Palestine tournament late? In the, there was a tournament Palestine late in the season. Here's another thing that, that may have happened. I don't know for, with Oblong. You have a a tournament limit on how many tournaments a kid can play in. So there could have been Oblong over scheduled tournaments or something like that. So they basically took a JV team to this Palestine tournament because hmm. I can understand. I'm not surprised we beat Oblong the second time around, but. Not that bad. 70, 75 to 8. That wasn't the same oblong team that we were playing, obviously. But I just thought that was interesting, our, our one loss there. So they Red Hill obviously won that tournament, beat Cumberland in the title game, and um, Moan scored 38 that night in the in the championship game. You know, one thing, so, when, we, when we talk to these, these players on that team, I, I'd like to find out what the crowd size did for those for those games. I yeah. mean, we know for Mandy and, and that era, they maybe didn't show up quite so much for the regular season, but they did in the postseason. I'd like to find out how that went. Well, I know one of the articles mentioned down at the, down at the sectional or maybe in the suit, one, one or the other, they had three, there were 300 Red Hill fans there. So, um, and I think the way it talked, that was way more than they were ever used to play. There was about 500 total, 300, 300 from Red Hill. So yeah, way more than there. So I would say there weren't huge crowds, but, and, I kind of feel because I, you know, I have all these great memories. I'll get to them of watching Chuck Rousey and Berkeley Carey and Bill Hughes. Um, I wish I would have watched girls basketball because that would have been an exciting time to see these teams play. Yeah. I feel bad that I've never seen Jody Moan play basketball. Um, so, so let's, so as I said, we were 22 and four. Um, a few things. So the Nash, so let's, we win the region. We beat Fairfield in the regional title at the Nashville sectional. Um, we beat Benton. In the semifinals, 62 to 52. And then we beat DeCoin to win the sectional title, 49 to 34. And I'm sure um, blaring in the locker room after that sectional victory or on their Walkmans on the way home, I'm sure this was a, a top song at that time, number one song at the time, Cool in the Gang, Celebration. Let's celebrate. Come on now. Let's celebrate. We're going to have a good time tonight. And, and, the, and the celebration, we were, so at Nashville, um, at a, there are gyms called Assembly Hall. So at Assembly Hall there in Nashville, um, as I said, Susan Wright, who had graduated the year before, was a student down at SIU, said she was the first on the court to greet Moan. Moan had the net draped around her, nice. um, draped around her neck. Wright was the first to meet her on the court, and Moan, was quoted saying just isn't it great as she was hugging family friends fans all around the court there it was also that was the same night as a school board meeting this was a thursday night and i guess a phone call had come you know we weren't able to check the scores on our phones or online at the time but someone had placed a call up to someone in the at the unit office that um red hill had just won the sectional down at between the coin down at Nashville and the board members, the administrators and community members in attendance began clapping and cheering during the board meeting when it was announced that we won this sectional title. I, so, bet, I bet to celebrate, they had pajama day the next day. <laughs> Probably so. Um, and then we went on to the sweet 16. We played in uh, the sweet 16 was held in West Frankfurt um, at Max Morris gymnasium. 
I know that gym because usually when I argue with people that Red Hill is the greatest gym in Southern Illinois, people always come back that West Frankfurt has is is the best gym. I've never been there, but that's never always been. their response that there's one gym better than Red Hill. So, huh. um, so down here, so we we faced El Dorado and we did lose this game, uh, fifty four to forty one to end our run and fall just short of making it to Assembly Hall, not the Assembly Hall at Nashville, the Assembly Hall on the campus of the University of Illinois to play in the Elite Eight later that week. So El Dorado would go on and end up getting fourth place in the state. Yeah. Um, Elder, an interesting fact about El Dorado, they were led by Mary Jane Duff was their best player. And if the Duff name sounds familiar to any listeners, her older brother, Mike Duff, is an Illinois one of the great scorers in Illinois history and was sadly on the uh, University of Evansville um, plane crash in 1977. He was a member of that team. And now the gym in El Dorado is called Duff Kingston Gymnasium. Oh. Um, but his younger sister was was a key player on, on that team. Wow. Um, so when I was talking to Debbie Steer, she, her main takeaway was um, know what your job is and do it. Not everybody is a star. And mm. I think that was probably what Tugal preached to him, that, hey, we've got a player here that can score 30 per game average 15 rebounds per game and let her do her thing. Jody Moan, I'm talking about right. if everybody else knows their role, we can go a long way this year. And they certainly did. Absolutely. So what that's a great a little, season. Yeah. Yeah. Great season. Like I'd love to do an 80, 80, 81 um, podcast. At well, some point. well, let's do it. Or not 80, sorry, an 80, 81 girls basketball. <laughs> uh, yeah, specific girls basketball season. So let's get on to the boys basketball season. As I said, this was a loaded winter. And um, so a few things I wrote down about this team. So the boys team went eight and 17 that year. Love four, this team. I do too. This this was my third team I remember watching. That set, the 78, 79 team, I always consider them my first team. Greg Smith was a senior on that team. Then the 79, 80 team, I'm starting understand a little more with Terry McAdow and Joe Kurtz the next year in 1980. But this team, I second grade. Now I really remember watching these guys play and I love, and there's some good players on this team. Some, some all time greats on this team. So let's go through um, our seniors on that team were Bill, Billy Hughes, six gun, six gun, great shooter, big time scorer. Had a, had a 26 point game at one point in the season. Um, So, the team didn't go real deep is what I, what I'm seeing here is so Hughes and Shank uh, Shank was part-time starter, part-time off the bench. I think started most of the season um, juniors, Berkeley carry Chuck Rousey and Steve Potts were your main, um, the juniors that were seeing su- substantial playing time that year. And then freshman Keith Frohawk Frohawk, probably maybe one of the most storied Red Hill junior high players of all time, probably one of the most, um, anticipated uh, arrivals on the Red Hill campus, just put up amazing numbers for Coach Dixon at the junior high, and started from the from day one. I, he was, he, yeah. Go ahead. I just gonna say I remember night one um, at home. Well, it would have been the post Thanksgiving tournament, I'm sure. And I remember us little kids in the anticipation because we all had heard he could dunk, and the anticipation of if. You know, of course, then you, everybody said, you know, he's got to do it before the refs come out or it's a technical. And uh, so the anticipation of all the little kids and whether Frohawk was going to dunk in warmups, and he delighted the crowd by dunking that night. Oh, yeah. This freshman comes on the court and, and is dunking. I mean, this doesn't happen at Red Hill. So um, at, now, as we know, 
he only spent one year at Red Hill. And, and I say, as we know, a lot of our listeners may not may not know the Keith Frohawk story. So uh, he went to Red Hill th- through ninth grade, but they end up transferring to his family, moved to Lawrenceville. His dad was the principal. His dad was already the principal right. at Lawrenceville at that yeah. time. And his mom taught at the junior high at Red Hill. So a lot of you have had her for a language arts teacher. Only spent one year at Red Hill. And Coach Ray said in the Dog Tales book, uh, Keith Frohawk started as a freshman that season when he transferred that hurt us because I think he, you know, he'd been on the radar for a while and big things were expected. Uh, went on to win two state championships at Lawrenceville. Good. Yeah. I was just going to be my question. So let's real quick. And we don't want to go down the rabbit hole too far on Keith Frohawk's career at Lawrenceville. However, wins two titles, two rings had a very, I mean, I'm going by memory. I'm not looking at stats, but I'm pretty confident. Had a pretty disappointing senior season. What would have happened had he stayed at Red Hill? Obviously, wouldn't have gotten two state title rings. So, was it a good move? Was it a bad move? What's yeah. your What's your thoughts? And I can see both sides of that. Obviously, it's a great move. He wins two state titles, but he did not. He was not a contributor at all no. on either of those two state. I mean, obviously, he's practicing against Marty every day. So, I mean, he's having some contribution to the team but actually on the court during games uh he was not in that rotation of players uh playing on either state championship team um and then the and i would think that would help his development going against marty and tim leasty every day in practice that would help his development but he um i couldn't wait till his senior season because i had seen him play as a freshman watching him sit the bench for two years at lawrence was like okay you know, this is going to be Marty. This is the next coming of Marty Simmons, yeah. senior year, Keith Frohawk. And I don't think he did a lot his senior year. Yeah, I don't so, think so. It's just an interesting, you know, just one of those interesting questions. What would you rather do? Sit for two years, gets two state titles, practice against one of the most storied teams in, in history, and then have a very, very mediocre senior season? Or do you stay and play a lot, score a bunch of points, and have some personal glory? I don't know. Good question. Yeah, it's yeah, and uh, it's something I'm sure we'll continue talking about on other episodes. So yeah, that's the Keith Frohawk story for those of you that did not know that. I always wondered where the Frohawks lived when they were. So I think I asked my mom a couple months ago, where did the Frohawks live when when Keith went to Red Hill? And I think yeah. she said they lived on uh, 250 between uh, Bridgeport and Lawrence. Yeah, I was thinking out somewhere in the Country Club area. Somewhere. Well, I think what she mentioned to me, I think it was where like Kurt and Clay Simmons, if anybody knows them. Uh, where they lived when they went to Red Hill, okay. which is so it's kind of close to, I know I, people don't know where my mom and dad live. But it's kind of close to where my mom and dad live now out there on the highway, but I'm okay. pretty sure that's where they live. But um, so a few more things on the season here. Um, so Berkeley Carey and Chuck Rousey, they, they were big time scores there. It kind of reminded me of Stacy and Lance type numbers from 89, Bobby and D numbers from 93, this one, two punch, they're putting up 25, 25 for Berkeley, 26 for Chuck. That was pretty common with these two guys. I don't know Berkeley's exact height or anything, but he was, seemed like a big point. He guard, seemed six, like a three, really maybe. tall point guard. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and matter of fact, if I had to go down as a, as a kid, Berkeley carry was probably my favorite on that team I, I i always loved watching him play even as a younger guy with with you know and then when he really took the reins on the varsity level at the point guard and i always know i felt a little bit of a connect because I, I mean they, these two guys are my heroes as well all right and i know way back when in the, in the 70s when my dad in his early years of teaching at red hill he actually coached fifth and sixth grade basketball um 
and he had Berkeley and Chuck on his team. So I always felt like kind of cool that my dad actually coached these guys uh, back when they were back when they were kids because I, I loved watching them play. Yep. And um, and a quote from Berkeley Carey about that team, he said, "We were a bunch of hard workers. It felt good to have the opportunity to play. Everybody had a role, and the coaching staff tried to make things fit. If I had the choice to do it over again." I would choose the same group I played with. Oh. So some nice words uh, about that team. I, I, I've never talked to Berkeley Carey. Myself. He always seemed like a nice guy, and the, these quotes kind of um, go along with that. Uh, team player and, and, like I said, a big-time scorer. Yeah. So a few highlights from this season. I'm getting most of my highlights here from the Dog Tales book by um, Mr. Eldon Shear. So Chuck Rousey at the Thanksgiving tournament, he set a tournament record that year by making 17 straight free throws. And um, they did not win that Thanksgiving tournament, but won their final game of the term over Palestine, 79-54. I believe Rousey's season high, he scored 32. This is junior Chuck Rousey in a NEC victory over Carmi. And that same night, seniors Bill Hughes and Doug Shank each added 12. And that was their first NEC win of the year. They would go 4-10 and 10 in the NEC that year so uh, for, one of the game just go i was just gonna say for for the people that wonder every time we bring up bill hughes and i say six gun he shot the ball from his hip almost like you used to see like fifth and sixth graders but he had a really super super low release and as far as i know kent langford on the radio is the one that named him six gun i'm not sure about that but definitely was his nickname but yeah he let it go from his from his right hip and, and that was his accuracy his his shooting accuracy his accuracy is what he is known for there were Multiple times mentioned in the paper, when it mentioned Bill Hughes, it was usually prefaced with uh, sharpshooter Bill Hughes or, uh, you know, anything to do with accurate shooting, yeah. some kind of term that way. But and yeah, almost, great shooter. And almost always in that, uh, what would it be, the southwest corner of the of the gym floor. Yeah, that was his that was his spot over there in that corner. I owned two shirts during this time. I had a shirt that I would, a Red Hill shirt that I wore to games, had a 43 on the back of it. And that was for... Bill Hughes. I liked Bill Hughes a lot because his dad was the janitor at Seed School at the time. Merrill. Yeah. Um, so Merrill Hughes. So I always felt, you know, a little more of a connection with him because I was around him a little more. There'd be times where I'd be up there with my dad, who was the principal at Seed, and he'd be up there. We'd both be up there the summer. So and just knowing Merrill since I was a little kid. So and then I also had a 22 shirt for Chuck Rousey. Yeah. I never had a 32 shirt for Berkeley Carey, though. Kind of feel bad I didn't. But did, did Merrill Hughes always have a chew in his mouth? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I thought so. Yeah. He would, I remember he would usually, uh, um, like he'd be walking by our, I remember like seeing our second grade classroom, which would have been this 80, 81 season. So it'd been right during his son's um, big <laughs> senior season. Um, like I remember he'd be like walking through the hallways, cleaning, doing whatever. And he'd like step into Mrs. Henry's room. She had a trash can right by her door <laughs> and, would, <laughs> and would spit right there in the trash can uh, while awesome. he's working. So I'm sure he, like wherever he was at in the building, trash can nearby is where he would spit at. I, I think of two things when I think of Merrill Hughes. One is, is the big chew in his mouth. And two, he, he was the one that had to come around with that like sawdust stuff when oh, some yeah. kid would puke <laughs> on the floor. Yep. I can, I can smell that stuff right now. So. <laughs> What'd that do? Um, just dry it up? It dries yeah. up. You can just sweep sweep yeah. it right into a tray. Yeah. <laughs> and That's then put it in the trash and spit on top of it. All right. So I'll get me. I, I got a lot here. So I know we still got to get to Gary. So I'll try to move through this season a little more. As we always say, we'll talk more about this team later on a later <laughs> podcast. But <laughs> I don't know if we'll get into this team anymore, but I'd love to talk to Berkeley and Chuck sometime. That would be great. Um, so um, let's see. 
another 25. And so Carey scored 25. Rousey scored 24 in an NEC win over Fairfield. Um, let's see. Berkeley scored 25 in a win over non-conference win over Casey on 12 of 19 shooting. Just a few highlights of the season. And so looking at the season here, as I said, we were 4 and 10. We had um, – we opened the season at the Thanksgiving tournament, and our NEC wins that year. We beat Carmi, as I talked about earlier. We beat Fairfield. Uh, we beat Flora. This was right before Flora got really good. And then we beat Mount Carmel in the regular season. Um, ended up winning our opening regional game against Oblong, and then lost in the regional semifinals to Lawrenceville, 73-56. to um, A few, few other things about that team. Um, I was gonna, I'll mention the cheerleaders here. They were uh, Julie Schubert. Carrie Ann Dillard, Jana Leg, Tina Leg. I believe Tina Leg was our homecoming queen, maybe. Yep, she was. Um, and Julie Griffin. I don't know if she's any relation to, uh, I don't know if she's an aunt or anything of uh, sponsor Tyler Griffin, but Julie Griffin was uh, the final varsity cheerleader. And then let's talk about the pom pom squad here a little bit. We've got uh, Cheryl Holmes, Nancy Neal, Carol Woodruff, Melissa Duncan, Dorothy Piper. Rosemary Baltzell, Julie Rankin, Regina Leach, Mary Cress, Susie Fox, Sandy Piper, Tracy Roark, Natalie Abernathy, and Connie Pimbleton. I can tell you that uh, young Hype Baldwin and Brian Emmons sitting uh, in the first row um, was very, very fond of Miss Regina Leach. Okay. And then Connie Pimbleton, I believe at that time, um, we've talked about Berkeley. I believe it's a um, – she and Berkeley are um, – they were high school sweethearts at the time, as I was kind of asking some people about, you know, researching this and mentioned that they are still, they are ended up getting married and married to this day. They've been married well over 30 years, they said. So, wow, that's awesome. that, so, so I'm sure after Berkeley uh, scores 25 and he meets up with uh, Connie after a game and they're, you know, go out for dinner or whatever after the game, I'm sure on the way they turned on the radio and listen to uh, this hit by REO Speedwagon. Well, I tell you one thing when I think of this song. Hype Baldwin and I in his mom's record room playing this very loud, singing into two hairbrushes, having a, our own little air concert, just as singing as loud and hard as we can, and we turn around, and there's his dad standing there in the doorway just <laughs> looking at us like we were <laughs> crazy. Oh, thanks, Hype. It, a few, one, just a few more things in that season. So we were um, – uh, we had actually at one point, in the, I didn't see the final NEC numbers, but late in the season, we had three of the top 10 scores in the conference. Um, wow. Wow. Chuck Rousey was fifth in scoring at 18 points per game. Uh, Berkeley Carey was seventh in scoring at 16 points per game. And Bill Hughes was ninth in scoring at 15 per game. And some familiar names at the top of the list. Uh, Doug Novsek was the uh, from Lawrenceville, Marty Simmons, uh, Matt Lease from uh, Mount Carmel. If you've ever been to Mount Carmel and seen their AE, 80 state championship or 81 state championship uh, picture in the trophy case. He's the kid with the huge red, red hair. Uh, you'll never forget that. Yeah. And went on to teach and coach at Mount Carmel. And then Chip Jennings was a hero of mine at Olney. He actually passed away after that school year. He had, the, I, didn't, there, I didn't know of very many people named Chip. So the fact that a star player at Olney's name was Chip also, uh, he was one of my favorites. He was second in the conference. Hey, in scoring are, are you looking at that dog tails right now, Chip? I am. Yeah. 
did they i mean did they score in the 70s a lot um good question so i mean i, I got to think with those kind of averages they had to be putting up some real points yeah we were consistently in the 70s um had you know had a couple games where i mean, Lawrenceville and fairfield we only scored in the 40s and got blown out those games so we had it seems like we had to score big to win so did they hit 100 shut- once this team did not, okay. I do not think, from looking at, okay. at the May have been a different year I'm thinking of because I remember. Yeah, they were pretty consistently in the 70s. Their high was 86 in the okay. regional win over Oblong, and they scored 81 in a losing effort to Oblong early on. So they hit 80 twice. Okay. Right. Um, but, yeah, lots of scores on the team. It didn't seem like this team went real deep. So I, they basically went Hughes, Carey, Rousey, Frohawk, Shank, and Potts. And Potts actually started playing a lot more JV. He was a junior on this team, played a lot more JV um, later yeah. in the se- season. I believe um, that because I, I was trying. I didn't put I didn't put Potts on this team, so maybe that's why. Yeah, it seems like early in the year he may have been starting. Then they pretty much kind of went with a five man rotation uh, late in the season with, and then Dave Clark played some sophomore. David Gray started oh, yeah. to see some varsity playing yeah. time. Um, so. Those are that's so the team ends at eight and 17, four and 10. And then Coach Ray, this is his fifth year as the head coach. He said, All three of my final three seasons, we won between eight and nine ball games. So this was his, um, this is the he's got two more seasons after this. So we had those years where we were winning one game. Um, we had those one win seasons here and there. That was 78, 70, 79. The, they won one game, then they won twelve, and then they won eight. So, um, I'd like to talk. Well, when when we do talk to Coach Ray, I, I'd like to know what he feels like. I I, I don't want to say went wrong, but man, that's a lot of talent. That that you know, of course, they were playing against good competition in the in the conference. Yeah, and um, I would have thought they won more games. Yeah, and then the next year they did go ten and sixteen. The next year when Berkeley and Chuck were seniors, and three and eleven in NEC. So, yeah. Uh, Probably, I'm sure Coach Ray, I mean, I'm sure, you know, as a competitor, I'm sure he expected to win 15 to 20 games with this team. And so probably a, a little disappointing that we didn't didn't win more yeah, ball games. Yeah, that'll so, be a good I'm, conversation with him on the, this era. A few more, real, I'm going to do some real quick hits here, and if we always we can always come back another time. Uh, junior high basketball, want to point out some names here. Um, we lost in the title game of the round robin to Flora. That was a class of um, – those were the Florida kids that ended up being really good. I mean, we're not quite to Tim Locum yet, but those kids that still went to the Sweet 16 before when Yo- when Locum was a freshman sophomore. Um, one thing I found is- interesting here in that uh, at that round robin tournament, Mark Heath was the assist leader. He dished out three assists, so I didn't know Heath was such a distributor of the basketball. <laughs> I didn't but uh, they they pointed that out in the in the uh, paper. And then um, Pat Seed has arrived at Red Hill. We talked about how he went to Lawrenceville through seventh grade. He's at Red Hill, and really his role on the junior high team as the season went on and watching the stats. Brian Piper was kind of the leader of that team, but um, Seed kind of took his. They were kind of the co-leaders going forward. And we know Seed would go on to have a yep. really good career on the seventh grade team. Um, I want to give a shot. Scott Moan was putting up some good numbers for the seventh grade team. What we a gave year. his sister yeah. <laughs> uh, so much credit. So Scott kind of gets lost in the shuffle sometimes. So uh, Scott, along with Tony Worth, Dick Ralston, Mike Kress, Brian Laughlin, Laughlin, who put up a 26, a 26 point game against Fairfield. And uh, Co- Coach Thomas remarked on his great leadership, uh, Brian Laughlin's great leadership. So they, 
Um, that was a seventh, eighth grade report and youth wrestling. We have not mentioned this guy's name yet on this podcast, so I'll make sure we get this in here in the 50 pound division. <laughs> <laughs> you guys probably know where I'm going with this. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> second grader, Se- I was say second, second grader, grader at, at Brook 91 grad. I'm guessing. <laughs> yes. At Brooks at Brookside school. He had not moved to the Red Hill district yet. Now I'm, did the Wagners have that design by, I guess I could ask Rick or Darby or Tammy or one of them. Um, did they move houses or did they, cause they, they went to Brookside. I'm guessing, I don't know. Or did they like redistrict again, the Red Hill school district? I'm guessing they, have, I'm thinking they probably redistrict cause they literally couldn't have lived more than a few miles from Brookside. That's, where I, that's what I'm thinking. So there yeah. must've been some way that they got. So, um, I'd, lo- I'd love to hear that story sometime because, yeah. you know, Ricky had had so much success at Lawrenceville with Lawrenceville Wrestling, and then uh, Darby ends up moving here in fourth grade, and we're glad he did. And I already talked about his, their cousin Steve went in the Pee Wee class in, in bow hunting, and I believe – I told you. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> the Bow Hunters Club. <laughs> uh, the archery at the Bow Hunters Club. So um, – and then – that was a lot, but it was a lot happened that winter. So I actually uh, wondered the same thing about Pat C because then they live south of Bridgeport. I thought maybe that was a redistricting thing potentially. I, I I don't I don't think he lived there then. Okay, Not yeah, sure. I wasn't sure about that. Darby okay. Wagner continuing to dominate yep. this podcast. <laughs> We gotta have Darby on. I mean, I think Darby's earned a show at this point. <laughs> I, I'd love to get him on. We could just play clips of other shows and. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we got shows planned through twenty twenty four. We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to up it for our sponsors: Gray's Restaurant, People State Bank, Andrews Insurance, and the Pizza House. We're gonna have to uh, uh, charge them more because we got to do more shows. And then I and I'll leave you here, and I'll move it on to Gary with one final song. Um, I was going to mention it during the wrestling and I did not do that. We're talking about kids wrestling here. So I guess this is perfect. And this time on the charts, there was a lot of like mix between like a lot of country songs were big pop hits. We talked about Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton on the last throw last show. Of course, Dolly Parton's nine to five song was the number one hit as well as this was a number one hit at this time. Eddie rabbits. I love a rainy night. I wake up to a sunny day cause I love a rainy night. The bearded good looks of Mr. Rabbit. That song reminds me of the American Legion a little bit in uh, Bridgeport. That's the song that reminds me of the Dick Clark countdown that Brian was talking about. I don't know if it reminds Brian of the countdown or not. Yeah. But, oh, absolutely. Uh, it's, a, yes. it's a staple. Yeah. All right. So that is a a great winter season at Red Hill. One of my well, favorite one of my favorite basketball teams to watch. And and when we do the next season, I can't wait to to talk about Berkeley and Chuck's senior year because that was um, again wins and losses. I don't know, but a great team to watch and, and a fun team to watch. Yeah, just like surprising that team only won eight games. I yeah, was, I was shocked. I, was I honestly was shocked. That. Yeah. If you're looking for insurance, we hope that you would call the Andrews Insurance Agency at 542 Main Street in Bridgeport. Terry Andrews and Justin Shear are your independent agents, and they're your professionals for all of your farm, commercial, and personal insurance needs. And they've been strong supporters of Red Hill Athletics for decades. So if you're brought down by a pack of dogs, get off your seats and on your feet 
and see T-Bone or Juice and give them a call at 618-945-2881 at the Andrews Insurance Agency. All right, I guess we're going to move on to the spring, spring and summer of 81. I took both segments this time and noticing in the uh, the March school board report, uh, as we talked about earlier, Gary Huber was to, was named the assistant wrestling coach, replacing Bill Huff. Uh, we talked about that earlier. Um, and that same one Huff that initially during this time, he stepped down as football and wrestling coach during that time at that school board meeting. So he had stepped down. Well, we're going to come back to that here in a little while, but hit that. Okay. Point. Cause I, cause I noticed that too. So, cause he coaches the next football season. So you got some oh, more yeah. news on that. Oh, okay. We, we're going to get into that. Here <laughs> okay. Later. Thank you. So in March, he steps down. So we'll have to remember that for, uh, coming up and, and later, later reports. Did Darby Wagner have anything to do with him coming back or I have I okay. have no mention we'll of Darby. We'll yeah, maybe <laughs> once he heard they were going to redistrict there, he decided <laughs> to come back and coach. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Um, they had listed some of the salaries for coaching at Red Hill during that time. I thought it was interesting. The head football coach at Red Hill was going to get paid $1,850. Assistants were $1,200. That was the same for boys basketball, $1,850 for the head coach and $1,200 for the assistant. The girls' head coach only got $1,700 during that time. Uh, track coach, head track coach, got $1,000. An assistant that got $600. And the, the head girls' track coach only got $750. So, wasn't very uh, didn't have much equity back in the early '80s at Red Hill. It doesn't look like head baseball coach got a thousand, and they paid the assistant for baseball six hundred dollars as well. No mention of wrestling in this uh, in this uh, article there. Uh, um, of note uh, in the Bridgeport News and Daily Record, April first of '81, Doug Stevenson celebrated his eighth birthday at Lanterman Park. Happy, happy birthday, yeah, Doug! You remember that? Well, I remember going to a couple of Doug Stevenson parties. I I know we went to McDonald's one year, and we were at his house one year. Did we all? Was I at this party? Does he does he list the guests on there? Game winners at this party were Dana Purcell <laughs> and Allen. Gino. <laughs> Notables present were Eric Holtz, Timmy Tate, Tony Weston, Jimmy Seacrest, our very own Chip Jamerson. Okay, I was there. <laughs> Scott Piper, Bucky Weiss, Jason Williams, Corey Ray, and Angela Deloria. Oh, that's a name I don't know. That's a I think it's his cousin from Lawrenceville. Okay, yeah. So, so hey. Probably a heck of a time. Talking about the Stevenson's house, because I used to go down there and watch wrestling and, and, and play uh, baseball cards and stuff with Dickie. Two things, Gary. Number one, I know what you think of first. Do you think of, of the Stevenson's house? I know what I'm thinking of. <laughs> the sweetest tea of all time. I don't know how much sugar they put in that tea, but my it was God, it tea. was good. And the other thing is, I remember she had a dessert. Uh, his mom had a dessert in the refrigerator one time, and it was uh, lime jello and green pepper. <laughs> oh, fine. <That> <laughs> yeah. And here's what I think of at the Stevenson's house. Weren't they collector? I mean, we all got the... The TV news, like TV didn't they news. collect every? Oh, yeah, not, they, the, what, what was it called? The, the little TV guy, TV not news, TV. but not the TV guy, right? Yeah, right. The yeah, one you bought at McCam's, yeah. Right. Little, it was probably a little, real thin. Um, yeah, lot just of made like regular paper, like you yeah. would. Yeah, yeah. color uh, had just one color and black and white. Other than that, because we all had them at our house, so it wasn't odd that they had one. So I, I don't know if the reason I remember that. I don't know if they collect. I think maybe they collected. Dickie. Like Dickie collected the covers or, or something collected like that. Them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't remember that. Well, but exactly. When you said that, I remember that for sure. They did keep them all. And Brian didn't mention where their house was. I, you guys have got everybody's got to be jealous of this street. They did live on Adams Street. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry that I have to keep pointing this out. But there's there was a lot of great people on Adams Street. There's a reason they didn't redistrict that. <laughs> 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, something else in April of 81 uh, in the newspaper, Jody Moan, who we've uh, talked about in her amazing career, she was named to the Decatur Herald and Review All-Area Small School Basketball Team in April of 81. So more kudos and awards uh, to Jody. Uh, I was going to talk about the baseball team, the 1981 baseball team led by Coach Mike Ray. Uh, he had five returning uh, varsity players that year, which were Dave Peck, uh, Dave Pank, uh, Ron Eck, Troy Reinhardt, Berkeley Carey, and Greg Boren. And Greg was a three-year letter winner at that point, so he had played a lot throughout his first three he, years. He might be somebody you could call underrated athlete at uh, Red Hill. Had a great football season, yeah. And, and yeah. And uh, the opening day lineup for the Salukes, uh, we had uh, leading off and playing second base was Reinhardt, Tony Gaither, right field, hitting second, batting third, and pitching game one was Boren. Berkeley Carey was your shortstop in the cleanup position. Pank was the catcher, batting fifth. At the point in the newspaper, Coach Ray wasn't sure if he was going to start Eck or Frohawk at first base. Ugh, we had uh, Doug Grismer in center field. Really? Batting, batting eighth. It was a battle at this point, no name yet, but it was between Greg Laughlin and uh, Gravy, David Gray, for the left field position, and slotted in the nine hole. Third baseman uh, Todd Parrott was going to play uh, third base that game. So, well, I guess Doug Doug would have been a, a freshman. Freshman, yeah, yeah. yeah. But still, come on, Mike, get him in the infield. It was loaded. He can he outplay Todd Parrott at third. Well, I, I mean, no offense, Todd, if you're listening. I'm sure you're you were a fine third baseman, but when I think of you, I don't think of the infield. They had a 22 scheduled games that year. They had an NEC tournament in the middle of the year, which is something that we didn't do. Um, and, of course, the postseason tournament. They had no regular season games scheduled against Carmi, Fairfield, or Salem. Um, yeah, if you played them in the NEC tournament, it's the only time you got a chance at them. Um, Mount Carmel was the favorite, like they were in most sports, led by Larry Lockhart. Uh, wasn't much of a year. First game of the season, we had a 7-7 tie, no lights at the Tank Farm. Uh, we did play. It went to uh, – got, got through the full seven innings, 7-7. Seven, seven. Had to be ended due to darkness, so that was our one tie of the year. We ended the season 8-10-1, lost to Mount Carmel in the regionals, and they said they had to say goodbye to seniors Greg Boren, Ron Eck, and Dave Pank. So not too much of note looking at the articles. Uh, Ho-hum year for the Salukes. Uh, of course, get, get better as years move along. Um, and uh, Keith Frohawk, and they would little did they know they'd have to say goodbye to Keith Frohawk as well. They did not another, know that was coming. Another, another big loss there for sure, too. Uh, in tra uh, track, we had Bill Huff as our head coach. Uh, uh, Doug Shank was the points leader for the track team. Um, uh, some meets of note the, against North Knox, the 400-meter relay team of uh, Jeff Hawkins, Cliff Green, Steve Spiller, and Shank set a new school record of 45 seconds, uh, 45.71 seconds. I forgot to mention Phil Negley was the assistant coach during that time too. Well, our freshman 400 relay team. Got a first place, uh, Jimmy Medlin, Mark Butler, Danny Beard, and Kelly Blair led us in that 400 relay team for our first place. So, uh, another person to know of uh, Bridgeport, Brian Zellers was, was our shot put and discus man that year. So he was throwing throwing those things around. You know, uh, um, I don't know how Shank's going to do, but I forgot to mention that when I was talking about that they got uh, noted as the speediest backfield in the NEC. Shank, his junior year, won the 100 and 200. Um, in the well, there's, there's more to come. Okay, there's more to come here. Yeah, and he's early... a great track athlete, if I remember right. Oh, of yeah, course, yeah. <laughs> of course, I did remember right from what I just heard there. 
<laughs> in uh, early May, we hosted the uh, Saluki Relays. Uh, we had Sisney, Lawrenceville, Robinson, Revae, Mount Carmel, and Four all come for the Saluki Relays. Um, pretty, uh, sounds like it was pretty exciting. We were tied with Sisney going into the last event, and that was a relay. Um, we ended up uh, winning that relay and winning the whole Saluki and beating all those teams and winning that event. Dave Pank was our winner in the long jump. Um, he was also a uh, catcher on the baseball team. He had a doubleheader later that day, so he came and did the track meet wow. and caught a doubleheader later in the day. So he had a had a tough day, but um, came down to the final relay event. We pulled it out and like uh, won, the, won the Saluki, Saluki relay, Relays. He's like, that? he's like Deion Sanders. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Took a helicopter out to the tank farm. Uh, we had Doug Shank <laughs> advance to the state finals. Um he was first in the 100 and 200 meter dashes in the early tournament uh, tournaments to advance. Jeff Hawkins also advanced, and he had uh, he had a second in the 300 meter low hurdle event. Uh, our 400 meter relay team of Hawkins, Shank, Roy Abbott, and Steve uh, Spiller um, they also advanced. Uh, Shank actually won every 100 meter event during his senior year, leading up to the state finals. He won, won every single one, and he won the first two heats. Up at Charleston in the state. Wow. So he was in the final event, and this is heartbreaking. He false started. Uh, one false start, and you're DQ'd, got no second man. chances. So in the state final championship, he had a DQ and was kicked out. So of he, was probably a, he was probably a favor to win that state title. I got to say. I, you got to think. You got to think he was by winning. He won every oh race that God. year in the 100 until the very end. So he had a he had a great senior season all the way across from football, yeah. basketball. I mean, he wasn't the big name on the basketball team, but he was part of that solid starting five. And then, of course, his main sport track. Yeah, wow. it's just heartbreaking. So one false start and you're done. That's right. It was one and done in the in, in the tournament there in the state That's championship. Jeff Hawkins. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, Jeff. I know you mentioned Roy Abbott. I think I was on a relay team or something yeah, like that. Yeah, so, relay team. Yeah, Roy was actually that very same season. It was my first year at Red Hill Junior Pro, and uh, Roy Abbott was my basketball coach on the Celtics there at Junior oh, Pro. Cool. So I didn't realize – I mean, I may have known he was just a senior in high school, but I don't think he ever played any basketball or anything, but he was a heck of a coach. Oh, thanks, Roy, for volunteering yeah. your time. <laughs> yeah. The Hawkins ended up finishing ninth in the state in the hurdles, and uh, the 400 relay team, while they set a new school record in their one, they, they did also have a ninth-place finish at state. Um, so a pretty good showing for uh, you know six guys at the state championships, and of course Shank had a heartbreaker there at the end. Um, junior high track team, uh, Red Hill Junior Highs, Janie Clark finished fourth uh, in the state finals of the hundred meter hurdles. If, if, you, for, if anybody remember that name, Janie Clark. No, um, no, and she would have been she... that. She would have been a year ahead of me, right? Janie Clark, or no, two years. Anyway, yeah, I don't, yeah, know. Janie, I don't remember. No, I don't remember that name. Uh, our girls track team, Alyssa Sims, was uh, uh, first in the discus and fourth in the shot put at our NEC meet. Um, sh- there was not one other report from a girls track meet in any other day <laughs> record that I looked at. That was it. That the was one, it. That one tournament. Yeah. yeah. Uh, nothing about or the Vincent Sun commercial. I couldn't find anything. But that one, that one meet was all it was uh, all that was listed there. Huh. That's a little unfortunate. So I'm not sure hey, how maybe, Sims ended up maybe, doing. Maybe he's the only one they had. Possibly. Possibly. Talking about a little bit of uh, just pop culture and uh, and uh, some uh, Bridgeport news. March 27th of 81, Crossfire was going to be playing at the Corner Tavern in uh, Bridgeport, if uh, you guys remember the Corner Tavern at all. Yeah, I didn't realize they had live music there, though. 
I spent a few after. I remember I remember being there one time with Dad. And I know they cooked some sort of a pizza in the little tombstone pizza oven there. We had pizza in the corner tavern one afternoon. That was a that, that was a fun time. I'm guessing so your father had more than one. Uh, probably, I'm guessing so. Is that where? Um... Is that Billy's, where Billy, Billy's insurance agency yeah. is now for people trying to picture where the corner tavern was. Yeah, yeah. it was like yeah, a, it was, was like right, a red right red metal building. Yeah, and that became a flower shop, and now it's uh, yeah. I think they Billy's. eventually had Billy had to mow that building down. It <laughs> yeah. wasn't, wonder, much, wasn't much left of that. I wonder if he still has hand. that tombstone pizza. Uh, <laughs> oh God! We'll like to think. Billy, let us know on that. Movies of 1981. I thought this was interesting. Eight of the top ten grossing movies, which it was summertime. I guess that would probably make sense, but. Eight of the top ten movies were uh, were during this uh, my period of time. We uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark was the top grossing movie of eighty one. Never seen it. Never uh, seen number, it. Number number three was <laughs> Superman two. Saw Four it. Arthur, which we talked about earlier. You can chalk da- you can chalk David King up to about five views of Superman two. So. You take care of the rest of it. <laughs> number five was Stripes. That's Bill a Murray. great movie. Good movie. Number six, it's a movie that I've, I've seen a lot and rented a, a lot, was Cannonball Run. I saw that movie a lot of times. Yeah, I saw, I saw that one at the plaza. Number seven, Chariots of Fire. Number eight was For Your Eyes Only, a James Bond movie. It's Number sad. nine, I have no recollection of this movie, The Four Seasons with Cara Burnett and Alan Alda. Oh, yeah, that was a big HBO movie later okay. in the year. I, don't, I, didn't, uh, I didn't watch it, but I remember it being on. <laughs> Interesting at the IGA, a gallon of milk was a dollar eighty nine, which I think it's cheaper than that now. Which I think it's probably amazing. Yeah, if you shop at the right places. Raging Bull was playing at the movie theater there in March. I think that movie had obviously had been out for a while, but it, uh, I think it was re released. I think it first came out in uh, December of eighty, but it, it came, made a return to the movie theater. Some other notables during that that time: uh, Nine to Five, uh, Friday the Thirteenth, and Stir Crazy were movies that were playing during that. Uh, during that time stir crazy was a was I, I think i'm correct on this i think it was the first movie i ever saw on vcr at hype baldwin's house and uh i just watched the end of it the other day on tv about the last 10 15 minutes of it but a great uh a great uh, gene wilder and richard Pryor romp yes <laughs> music during that time really during the whole time there was only really three songs that hit the top well actually four songs hit the top of the charts um, April 11th of 81, the number one song in all of America was Kiss on My List by Hall & Oates. I would say, like, compared to, like, the songs you guys played, that song, like, has a different sound, like, more... Yeah, I agree. ...sound of those other songs we played so far. I agree with that. How good of a run did those guys go on in in the early 80s? Like, just song after song. Yeah. And Uh, that was was on the charts for four weeks, and it was replaced by uh, Morning Train, 9 to 5. Sheena Easton, right? Yeah. Yeah. She actually wanted to call it 9 to 5, but couldn't because of the movie and everything. And Dolly Parton's song. Which we had a big conversation just a couple weeks ago about great songs with parentheses in the titles. Mm-hmm. This, this 
one could have been yeah, added. Great songs with parentheses and a great song from Seinfeld when George is going down the sidewalk on that little uh, scooter thing. That song was playing. Another Seinfeld. Seinfeld now starting to rival Darby <laughs> Wagner on the podcast. That spent two weeks in number one and then uh, one of the greatest songs of that year for sure. May 16th of 81, Betty Davis Eyes takes over the number one spot. That song, I remember uh, my grandpa Clark, we, we drove down, we were just taking a drive or whatnot, went down through the uh, Lanterman Park and they were um, setting up the carnival <laughs> and I remember that song was on the radio. I'm talking of time travel and music. So from May 16th to June 20th, Betty Davis Eyes was number one. Do you remember what song knocked it off? June. A tricky question I, for you. I, I do, but um, are you, I know the answer because you told me a couple weeks ago. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Well, I looked into this song because I couldn't figure it out, but it was a song called uh, just Medley by Stars on 45. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is a great Dickie Stevenson song. <laughs> yeah. Which it was basically a Beatles medley of a bunch of different Beatles songs they put together. The the version that was played on YouTube, there was a long version, a 16-minute version of a... They just um, medleyed a bunch of different Beatles songs. Yeah, but here. It only lasted one week. June 27th, Kim gets it back. Ended up spending a total of nine weeks at number one. Took us all the way through the summer. Uh, just a, an amazing song. I'm not sure if that ended up being number one for the whole year of 81. I can't hardly I believe think it, it did. was. It, um, yeah. Let's talk about prom a little bit. Who wants to hit to talk about prom? I do. Okay. So prom that year, the it was at the Vincent's Holiday Inn. <laughs> yeah, we know that. Talk about that right? <laughs> <laughs> give the kids a chance. <laughs> yeah, give them a chance. They picked Lost in Love as their theme. Um, our prom court that year, we had a Natalie Abernathy. Lynn Latch, Dolores Ferguson, and Connie Pimbleton were your queen candidates. Your king candidates were uh, Tony Gaither, David Todd, Steve Potts, Berkeley Carey, and named your king and queen were Julie Harper and Mark Jordan were your uh, king and queen of the prom wow. of 81. Congrats to Mark. Mark just um, commented on a post. I put a picture of the 80-81 basketball team up last night on the Facebook page, and Mark commented on that. Oh, well, help. He's listening. He just got to mention as the prom king. I uh, thought uh, he probably Vincent's knew Sun, it was coming, which I love the Vincent's Sun commercial. They always did Red Hill pretty good. They always had a, basically a full page of pictures um, of uh, the prom. Our own David King was in one of those pictures. I think he was kind of chronicled that, that year, weren't you, Dave, with you and uh, Jackie in 92 prom, I think. So we'll uh, another picture I thought was hilarious. Brian Butler was pictured, and poor guy was sitting on a just sitting at a table with this tux on, but he was on crutches with a big, uh, big cast on his leg. And it made mention the article that uh, poor Brian was uh, working on the farm and he fell through the steps at the barn and uh, uh, broke his leg. But he still made it to prom that year, which I, I thought was yeah, good. Good for good. him. I think he yeah. may have actually led the football team in touchdown receptions. Came on uh, late, so uh, really? sorry okay. to hear about that leg. May of '81, Brian. What, what's that mean to you? May of '81. Hmm. May of 81. Brino takes first place. 
vocal solo. Yes. Wait, wait, don't tell me. I think, was that the year I sang a whistle happy tune? No. I don't know what you're saying. You got birth. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was. You talk, this was the state solo and ensemble musical contest. Tim Miller, you talk about a guy putting together a group. 14 other first t- first place finishes for Red Hill. Break them up. Brino and J.O. Westall took home second place in the vocal duet. Would you remember what you and J.I. Uh, Mr. Westall sang? My, my favorite things. <laughs> Can you sing it a little bit? Uh, it's that one that I was like, uh, hey, let's not do this. These are a few of my favorite things. Yeah, these things, are a few of my favorite oh. things. Dun, 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 I remember the Christmas we, song. We, I don't know. <laughs> we used to go to uh, Joanne Gaither. She was our. She helped out get people ready, and um, we went to her and and got that. This may have been about the time you guys were living on Franklin Street before you moved to Gray and then Adams. Um, I remember Ji over at your house one time. I don't know. Maybe you just came over to hang out, or maybe you guys were practicing. That I think. Afternoon. I think I he she, his his dad probably dropped him off. Um, to uh, to go practice, but let's yeah. see if I can. I don't it. necessarily know like how many different categories there were, but we took home 15 oh, first place. Well, there's only so one, obviously only one that mattered. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, Mr. Clymer and his group put on the musical review on May 14th. We had 75 people in our voice choir. Uh, there was a three parts of this. It was the first one was titled uh, Revival, featuring a Dixieland combo, whatever the hell that is. I don't remember any of this. The second part of the musical review were the Roaring Twenties, and the grand finale was a sentimental journey through the Forties. So, mm. but that was just an exciting. Um, we were on the there. we were on the we were on the cusp of uh, Oklahoma. Here's what I sing. Whenever I feel afraid, I hold my, my head, head up high. Oh shit! And whistle a happy, happy tune. And no one will suspect I'm afraid. Did you pick that, or did Mr. Miller pick it for you, knowing I, what your range was? I can't, I can't. That was not me. That was uh, Marnie <laughs> Nixon and Rex Thompson. Anyway, that was uh, that was me. May 27th of 81, we graduated 112 students. Wow, good job. The Benson Sun Commercial reports 114. Just, so I'm not sure <laughs> which was the accurate number there. Despite the fact that we lost uh, 1.8 uh, percentage of our population. Yes, so it's very impressive. I graduated with half that number pretty much. So that's uh, yeah. from 81 to 93. That's a pretty, uh, pretty big uh, downturn there. Jana Lake was named our salutatorian, and Sarah Gillespie was named our valedictorian during the year. This uh, we haven't mentioned her on the show yet. Good job. I think so. Sports awards the day after the graduation were our our uh, winter and spring sports awards. No doubt, MVP of the basketball team was. Uh, it's got to be Berkeley or Chuck. Uh, I'll go Chuck Rousey. I'm gonna Chuck, go. Uh, oh, Chuck, Chuck, <laughs> Chuck Rousey, and I don't MVP of the of the girls basketball team. Jody Moan, pretty, uh, no doubt. I was going to take Amy (laughs) MVP of the wrestling team was named to be Raymond Price. Price. MVP of the track team. Doug Doug Shank. Easy. This is so simple. Uh, Girls track team MVP. Melissa Sims. (laughs) Only person I mentioned. (laughs) Co-MVP of the baseball team. Hank. I'm going to go. Yeah, I was going to go. One. I was going to go Pank 
And this should be easy. It should be. Let me go through that. Was it Todd Parrott? Todd no. Parrott at third base? <laughs> Shit. Um, we just talked about how great of a senior season this is. Ray Price? Boring. Oh, boring. <laughs> they were co MVPs. Shank would have stole a ton of bases. Yeah. We had. Berkeley Carey, our six-three uh, point guard, was named the Barnett Memorial Award, which we think that's about assists. I think pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. It is Senior man. Athlete Award was named to two different uh, gentlemen. Senior Athlete Award, Price uh, uh, and Shank. Yeah, that's a Shank's one. Not Price. Not Price. Hawkins. Jeff Hawkins was named Senior Athlete Award. Moving into the summer. That, uh, is that, is that now called enough. the Darby Wagner Senior Athlete Award? <laughs> not yet. Not yet. June 25th of 81, Sonia Holst dominated in the Lawrence County Swim Meet, taking home Dang, uh, a Sonya. couple first place uh, in the eight under breaststroke, butterfly, freestyle. And she was on the winning relay team in this uh, oh, swimming event. So she it's... dominated against Flora, came over to LCCC. And uh, Sonia Holst pretty much just dominated the whole thing. As I had no old. idea. I noticed that her sister Tana was also mentioned, and uh, another name I just remembered from Brino's younger days, Ellery Janes. I think that was Dan Piercy's girlfriend, wasn't <laughs> yes, it? Yes, it was. Yeah. Uh, yep. She, Ellery she went, just, to, went to our church. Um, great game here. July 21st, our Little League All-Stars are playing against Lawrenceville. Delmore Waters versus Bobby York in the, in the first game uh, of the tournament. I think he um, too hit us. Down one nothing in the bottom of the sixth. We need a we need a we need a, a run or two to tie it or bring it back. Bobby York singles, and then scores from first on Brino's single. I don't know how he scored from first on a single in a Little League game. They hit it hard. I guess so. and didn't run he very fast. So Brino ties up the game. We go to extra innings. One one in the seventh inning. Bottom of the seventh. Uh, George Griffin leads off pinch inning for J.I. Westall. Strikes out. George comes in and doesn't do anything good. Come on, George. Brad Cook popped out to the catcher, and uh, Lawrenceville had scored one run on the top of that inning, so we're down two to one. And then we get Kevin Tucker ends the game on the old nine three put out. Uh, I remember that. Oh my god, I remember that. Whole. I would have never. I would have guessed that Brad Cook struck out to to end that game. That may have been the next year, but. I totally, yeah. totally forgot about Tucker getting thrown out Nine, for the right three. field. So for those of you that don't do scoring yeah. in baseball, that's the right fielder. Right fielder. Yeah. Threw it out, threw it to first, and got there before Kevin got to first base on the Little League. <laughs> we, need to do, we need to do a whole podcast just on that play. It, it was probably just a rocket, you know. But, yeah, I'm sure he just hit it so dang hard that yeah, could not So that ended it. the Little League All-Star season to Lawrenceville, unfortunately. July uh, school board meetings. We've been oh, we're going to talk oh about yeah, this. yeah. We I went out that. of order. I somehow missed this. Uh, Dwayne Scott and Gary Wells are both. Uh, their terms were expiring on the school board in August, so their their times were done. But at that meeting, our president Jerry Devonshire, um, one of the biggest parts of that July school board meeting was Bill Huff, who had previously retired. We had said um, he had a two-hour executive session and deliberation discussing this. He previously resigned. Uh, Basically, they asked for him to come back, and he asked for some considerations that he wanted a immediate improvements in our athletic program. He wanted a, a weight training program started. That was his first demand. The second was the possibility and the switching conferences. So I think one time we talked about mm. Coach Ray. He had mentioned that, but this is probably the first time that was talked about. Um, that was a possibility he brought up because we could compete with better with schools. Um, 
He had mentioned that 75 to 80% of our kids are bused to school. So these kids are having troubles getting from or getting home from, uh, from practices in the evenings, which may have been keeping some of these kids from being able to play. Uh, the board agreed to everything. And then they also, I uh, didn't know exactly what this meant, but they encouraged and uh, wanted to participate in a carpooling project. Uh, Huff was quoted as saying, things don't look too rosy, um, citing the loss of uh, the seniors of the football team and track team, but he then came back on to do both. So they must have uh, met, I don't know if the, the weight training and all these different things started, but he, uh, he did come back. And the board accepted Dennis Bowser's resignation as a junior high track coach at this same meeting in uh, July of uh, July of 81. Probably because they didn't get much press. Probably so, I'm guessing. So oh, that yeah. will then take us to the end of uh, the spring and summer of, uh, of 81. Um, like I said, it was a uh, fun times. I love going back through these because I don't remember much of this. Just very brief remembrances of some of these names and some of these guys. I don't remember much of them playing, but it's always a great time to go back and hear the music and the pop culture, and then just to put it all together with the, the different teams and the successes of them. So pretty fun time. I think we need to dig into this carpooling project a little more. Yeah, I don't know how that at went, some went point. down. Yeah, all right, guys. Well, good job. We're going to have, uh, going to have a hard time figuring out who won 80, 81, but you got two weeks to think about it. Hey, um, do we want to go ahead and announce it now? What we want to do? Yeah, let's do uh, it. Yes. In Two weeks, we are scheduled to record with Red Hill legend, 1990 graduate, Mandy Cunningham, the 3,165-point score, uh, career-high game of 73 versus Robinson. She will be joining us on the podcast the first week in November. That'll be awesome. And and, and in the future, we'll probably we'll do a, a total Cunningham show, but we thought we'd We'd start with uh, with one on Mandy herself. So really, really looking forward to that. We've talked to her. She is on board and excited about it. So we will, uh, over the next couple of weeks, dive into uh, Mandy Cunningham's career. And that's going to do it for this week, 1980 and 81. What a great year uh, to watch sports, and I'm sure to play it. So comment on the Facebook page. Hit the subscribe button if you think we're warranted. Give us a like. Make sure when you go into Gray's and, and People's Bank and Andrew's Insurance and the Pizza House, let them know that you heard about them right here on the old school Red Hill Podcast. See you next week or two weeks. See ya. Next time. See ya. See ya.